Greetings and salutations, creature lovers. This is Mr. Venom welcoming you to episode 14 of No More Room in Hell Presents Creature Comforts. Before we get into this week's movie, let me go ahead and introduce my cohorts. First is Mr. Derek B. from the Cinema Attack podcast. How you doing, Derek? Hey, yo. My name <laughs> is now Tiny. Tiny Ramon. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, as always, from the Horror Countdown podcast, Mr. Don and Ellie. How you doing, Don? Yeah, great. Always fun to be here. Well, folks, it is, of course, December, and most of us obviously are, you know, most of the people that I work with are horror movie podcasters, so October is kind of like our Christmas. But Christmas is still a thing, ultimately. We were all kids. We all have, you know... Great memories of Christmas, maybe some not so great, but the point is Christmas means a lot to a lot of people, including those of us with the black hearts of horror movies. We were trying to think of some kind of Christmassy topic. Last year, we talked about some of our favorite kaiju movies and monster movies in general to watch on Christmas or during the Christmas season. This year, I thought it might be pretty cool to bring in Christmas gifts. Uh, specifically, what is the coolest or best or just that meant so much to you creature-related gift you've ever received for Christmas? I believe it was, I, I think that was Don's idea, right? So, Don, why don't you start us off? All right. Um, so, this one is uh, one that kind of sticks into my head very, it's one of my uh, favorite stories. So Christmas morning, um, I'm probably maybe 11 or 12. And I, you know, we're passing gifts out. And my mom's, you know, she like visibly tells my dad, because he's the one that's actually like under the tree pulling them out. She like very visibly tells, you know, like is acting like reminding him like, not that one, not that one. Have him go last with that one. And you know, I, I eventually at the very end, like I get everything out and then, you know, she's like, oh, wait a second. Yeah, we forgot. There's one more for you, uh, honey, under the tree. And like my dad, you know, he grabs it and he gives it to me and he gives it to me. And I mean, like I literally just like it funk. It's like this huge it. it you'll know what it means in a second, but it, it's like heavier than anything I've ever held in my life. And hmm. I I start unwrapping it. And it's a brick. And it's like a literal brick that you put on the, you know, like you put like a, in the, like the cement things on like your walkways. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a garden brick. And I look at it and it's like a brick. And my mom's like, she's all happy and excited. And she goes to like take the picture and she goes, Oh, you, you gave it to him upside down. No, look at the bottom. And I look at the bottom and it's a subscription, like a, not like a subscription thing, but it's like a coupon for G fan magazine. Hmm. So my parents get gifted me a year of G fan magazine and they put it on like the bottom. They gave me like the money to buy it. Oh. But the brick was supposed to have been, for a basketball hoop in the backyard. It was kind of like a two for one thing because <laughs> uh, like basketball was supposed to be like the next thing that we were supposed to be playing in like PE. So they wanted me to like have like a basketball hoop because I've never, I'd never played before. So they gave me the, the brick for the basketball hoop 
and they put the subscription for GFAN under the bottom. So they gave me like a full year of the magazine subscription for Christmas, but it was like attached to the bottom of a brick. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Christmas misunderstandings, almost always fun. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah I, I never. Oh, go ahead. No, because I'm saying I, I didn't know like what it was for either. And then my mom was she. I I like caught her, and she's like very visibly like saying, you know, save that one for last, save that one for last. <laughs> and then acts like, oh yeah, how you know, don't you know, don't you like you know, you're you getting like your free year for the magazine? Because I had already gotten like a, I'd already subscribed to it like for maybe like a year and a half, but mm-hmm. it was still like maybe. I had like maybe four or five episode um, issues before I had to renew it. So they gifted me like the money to like renew it. Very nice. That's awesome. Uh, Derek, why don't you come in here? You got any uh, Christmas gift stories for us? Yeah. You know, one Christmas, uh, it was definitely like early to mid nineties. I think there was like no like Godzilla toys, like growing up for the, like when I was a kid and stuff like I didn't see any in the stores at all and stuff like that. But then this company out of nowhere named Trendmasters, which I think a lot of Godzilla fans should know about, like had like these like action figures and stuff. I got a bunch of those one year. I was shocked. I was like, cause I'm like, what the hell are these? I never saw these before. And you know, there's some cool like sets they had. They had like, the very awesome like Godzilla micro sets where it's like you get like it's like a head of Godzilla that opens up into like a battlefield and shit and has little action <laughs> figures like Rodan and shit and it's, it's kind of like a Godzilla version of a Polly Pocket if that makes sense. <laughs> I like it. it. You know, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, got a bunch I, of, I think uh, I I had one of those. So yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, nice. they're so cool because it was like like four different ones you get one was like a space godzilla head which is very rare and i never got that one i was kind of pissed <laughs> like i need that but uh yeah i got one of those one year and I'm like oh i forget who actually got them for me i think it was maybe it was one of my uncles or maybe my mom because she got me a few like godzilla things later on in life so it's kind of like blend together who actually got me the gifts but i remember getting those one year and i was falling in love and the interesting thing because the Trendmaster toys are actually a lot of like the Heisei characters, like Batra and Space Godzilla and Mogera hmm. and stuff like that. And actually, weirdly enough, those movies weren't even out in the U.S. yet. So <laughs> it was cool, like when those movies actually were coming out through like DVD from Sony and even like I think I actually seen them on pay per view. They came on cable one time. I was actually seeing like the monsters like that I fucking played with as kids. I'm like, oh shit, there's Batcher. I knew all their names from the action figures already. I was like, so you know, I was kind of like a discovery for when those '90 movies actually did end up coming out. Like, you know, I had like seven Batchers and fucking five Destroyers from that company, <laughs> and I didn't even see the movies they were in yet. <laughs> this is kind of <laughs> weird, you know. But it was kind of cool. Like, oh, there's that toy I played with as a kid. <laughs> Very nice. For me, I was going to say, uh, my story doesn't involve kaiju, unfortunately. I, I wish it did, because you guys both had great kaiju stories. But for me, my story revolves around the best sci-fi horror film of 1979. And that is, of course, Ridley Scott's Alien. Now, 
come Christmas of 1980, they release a toy that is it's it's basically an action figure, but it's literally about two feet tall. It, it's one of the greatest, like at least early on in my life, one of the coolest horror movie related items I've ever seen. Now, I had not seen the movie up until that point. My parents wouldn't let me see it. They they, <laughs> they weren't accepting of the fact yet that I was a horror maniac, even at nine years old. So they, they thought I wouldn't be able to handle Alien. They both saw it in theaters. Dicks. I, I said I love that creature. Whenever I would see commercials for the toy, I said I want it. I want it. And my dad would always be like, even though you didn't see the movie, I'm like, I don't care. And yeah, Christmas morning, I wake up and there it is from Santa Claus, a two foot alien action figure. This thing was spectacular. It had like a trigger on the back of its head where you could control the jaws, you know, and the little inner jaw would come out of mm-hmm. the ma- the main jaw. The tail uh, was curled and it was rigid enough that you could hang it from places. I used to hang it on my doorknob in my bedroom and it literally looked like the alien was like about to repel on somebody like a death from above type thing. And even though I hadn't seen this movie until maybe I, I, I'd probably say like 83 or 84 would have been the first time I watched the original Alien. I adored this toy. And one of the things I really loved about it is that it scared one of my neighbor kids. I never really had kids my own age in my neighborhood. They were always either way older or way younger. And one day, one of my younger friends in the neighborhood was over, and he saw my alien figure hanging from the door, and he freaked the fuck out. Now, mind you, this kid's never seen Alien. He has no idea what this creature is from. He just freaks the fuck out, runs out of my bedroom screaming. My mother thinks I did something to him. Like, what did you do to this poor kid? I'm like, I don't even know. Because he didn't even say, oh, like, he didn't point at the figure and run. He literally saw it, screamed, and ran. And when my mother and I went downstairs, because he was a downstairs neighbor, we lived in an apartment building, you know, we went to apologize because my mother, like like I said, my mother was convinced that I did something to piss this kid off or to scare him or to freak him out. And, you know, the, uh, the kid's mom was like, oh, is that what happened? Because, again, the kid came home screaming and didn't explain to his mother what happened. Eventually, they were able to calm the kid down enough where he said, there's a monster in Jerry's bedroom. And I'm thinking, what the fuck is he talking about? And that's when I realized it's the alien figure, the two foot alien figure in my room scared the shit out of my neighbor. And after that day, he would not go into my bedroom if the figure was visible. Like if I left it out anywhere in my room, he wouldn't go in. He's just nope. I literally had to put it in the closet for him to like come over. And like I said, I had such few and far between kids to you know hang out with. I'm like, well, I'm not going to alienate one of the only kids that still comes over. So, you know, I did him the favor and I hid the figure. But yeah, I've always loved that story that one of my toys freaked out one of my neighbors. <laughs> Just loved it. So yeah, folks, that is uh, that's some of our Christmas memories, some happy times. My heart is a flutter just thinking about this story. Oh, by the way, this figure, if if you have one now, is worth over two thousand dollars. So congratulations, because I definitely don't know where mine is. <laughs> and yeah, I have yeah, pictures I'm, in the chat for you guys, so you can kind of yeah. I'm actually looking at it now, and it's like, yeah, that's kind of like more scary than the actual alien in the movie because you can see like the skull and shit. Yeah, yeah, you can really see it. It's really well lit. Uh, they did a really good job with the render. Like, like I said, for 1980, I don't remember if the toy was released in 79 or 80. I got it the Christmas of 1980, but I just remember thinking this thing looks beautiful. Like I didn't know what statues and PVC figures and things were at the time. 
Had I known, I would have been like, I don't even want to open this thing. This thing looks like like a collector's item. But yeah, I opened it. I played the shit out of it. I'm pretty sure I broke one of its legs off eventually. But yeah, <laughs> there goes $2,000. All right, folks. Well, it is time to get into our movie for the week. For, this, for only the second time in our just over one year history, we're going to take a look at a brand new movie. Brand spanking new. This movie dropped uh, about a week ago, eight days to be exact, on Netflix. This movie is called Troll. This is a film from Norway. It's basically, it's got like a mixed, a dual language presentation. You, you got some Norwegian, you've got some English throughout. So it's kind of nice. I always like when movies do that. I'll get into that after we start our review. But yeah, let me go ahead and play you the trailer for Troll. And when we get back, uh, we're going to start do- talking about this one and dissecting it because uh, I think we have a lot to talk about. We'll be right back, folks. Det är tungt. Är det inte Nu har jag fortalt till dig att för tusen år sedan vandrade troll omkring. the ground here in Norway. People running for their lives. Imagine the consequences. What are they doing? I don't know if you're going to say that you're going to answer this. But we need something that's there. Norman, Statsminister Eide, I've got you as a scientific advisor. You know that I'm going to die. There's something that's coming out of the sky today. King Kong, Russia. Du vet jo at det er snev og sannhet i alle eventyr. La oss utrydde den før den utrydder oss. Dette eventyr har så vidt begynt. Mye militære erfaring, eller? En del. Hva? Hva lopp du ut i? Vi skal skreve nytt med våpen. Vi kan presse nok. Den er lovlig. Naturen kommer til å slå tilbake. Hey ho. Let's go. All right, folks, that was the trailer for 2022's Troll. Before we get into our movie, I think this was Derek's pick, right? I think it was Derek I, that first brought it to our attention. Maybe it was Don. I could be mistaken. I, I think it was me. You know, I think yeah. it was like, because, you know, I knew it was coming out in December. It was on Netflix. It's readily available. It's an easy pick. And, you know, we, it's a, you know, it's a non, you know, Japanese giant monster movie. So it was like, ah. you know, I was like, 
This seems up our alley. Let's do it. No, I love it. Great call. All right, so our description or our synopsis is as follows. Deep in the Duvre Mountain, something gigantic wakes up after a thousand years in captivity. The creature destroys everything in its path and quickly approaches Oslo. Uh, for those who don't know, Oslo is the capital of Norway. So now you know. There's your geography lesson for the day. Uh, this movie is directed by Roar Uthag, and I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce any other names uh, in, <laughs> on this list, because I always mess up Scandinavian names, so I'm leaving it alone. Yeah, like I said, this movie just dropped literally uh, eight days ago on December 1st on Netflix. Uh, as we said, it is a Norwegian film, and as I mentioned before the break, this film does that cool dual language thing that I, I absolutely love when movies do this because it comes off as so realistic. If someone knows two languages, they would speak the native language to this person. And then if, if they speak to a, an American or someone who speaks English fluently, they would speak English to that person. So whenever I see dual language uh, films like this, it just the realism is there. And I absolutely love it. Derek, since this was your pick, why don't we go ahead and start? Oh, and before we do start, folks, I, as I already said, this movie is a brand new film. It's only been out for about a week. Some of you, as you listen to this episode, maybe haven't seen it yet. So we're going to utilize a format that Don and I use on one of our other shows where we're first we're going to give you some spoiler free general thoughts about the film, all three of us. And then I'm going to give you a spoiler warning, and then we're going to get into, you know, major plot points of the story. So if you listen to our other shows, it's a familiar format for you. For some of you who only listen to us, it might be a little bit different than what we usually do. So like I said, I just want to give people the benefit of being able to watch this without us spoiling it. And honestly, I say... I don't want this to be spoiled. I think you need to see this movie, but I'm jumping ahead. So let's go ahead and start with Derek. And Derek, why don't you give me some spoiler-free general thoughts on Troll? Yeah, well, you know, I, I saw that this was being made. I actually remember following this movie kind of <laughs> briefly. You know, I saw a post that director of Cold Prey and The Wave is doing a his like take on the kaiju genre. And I'm like, Okay, this could work, <laughs> you know, you know, it, and the thing with this movie that, you know, I saw a lot of things happen within it. The buzz about it is like it was getting compared to, oh, is it like Troll Hunter? I'll get into it in a little bit. But it does share some similarities or like, you know, mix and folklore with like actual like creature that is the troll, which, mm -hmm. you know, I, you know, it's going to be there because they're both Norwegian films. So, yep. You know, and this movie is not like Troll Hunter. It's because Troll Hunter is like a found footage movie. It's mm -hmm. very like more. This is like straight up action kaiju movie. <laughs> you know, which I'm you know I'm fine with. You know, but you know, just don't go in thinking like it's going to be like Troll Hunter, and you know, and just enjoy yeah. the ride of the movie. But anyways, you know, the movies. I, I personally had a lot of fun with the movie. I don't think it looks, like, perfect. Like, you know, pretty much, like, the things I'm going to get into with it, the story has, like, the beats of, like, a typical, like, first, like, kaiju movie. You know, even, like, it kind of had, like, a mixture of, like... It even has, like, some similar, like, story beats to, like, Godzilla 98 in some scenes, and especially, like, the final scene of the movie, which uh, we'll talk about later. But uh, it, it kind of has a more, like, a mixture of, like, maybe, like, the monster verse. 
spin on like a, that sort of movie mm-hmm. where it follows like a little bit more like the behind the scenes. There's a little bit of like Shin Godzilla in there too, of, like the politics, you know, and that, that's interesting enough. And, you know, I, I love what the movie did with the, the, the folklore and stories of the folklore with this movie, uh, you know, it's an interesting take on a genre that we all love and it's pretty cool. And, you know, there's actually a scene that made me kind of cry in this movie, <laughs> you, know, yep. you know, it takes Same. a lot. Yeah. So yeah, I enjoyed it. You know, is it perfect? No, not by any means, but if you're looking for like a fun spin on the Kaiju giant monster genre, you, you, you there's worse things you could choose. Mm-hmm. 100% agree, my friend. Don, why don't you come in here and tell us your spoiler-free thoughts on Troll? Yeah, I'm pretty close to that. I had an absolute blast with this. Um, it's, you know, very simplified. You know, things happen. Giant monsters revealed to be the source. You know, investigation into its origins, creature attacks, military intervention. I mean, it's not exactly like rocket science how this thing plays out, and it's very obvious and formulaic about it. But to me, that kind of just adds to all of the the fun of this one because it's very simple to see the beats, and it's very obvious where it's going. But it's still fun to get there because the spins that it puts on the the folklore, and which is you know something I you know we're not going to talk about until later. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that is, you know, incredibly well handled. I love, you know, there's details and bits and pieces added here and there that kind of just enhance what's going on, even though you're still like in a very straightforward formulaic approach. The action scenes are top notch. Uh, There's two sequences in here that uh, are just absolutely fantastic. I love the way that they're pulled off. Not as much of a city rampage as I was expecting or wanting, but you know I'll, uh, you know Norway. This is Norway's first attempt at it. You know you're, you're you know, baby steps here, folks. So um, you know not too much of an issue, but you know for me personally, I would you know go a little bit more in that route. But um, yeah, I don't have too much to really uh, say bad about it. I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, there's you know tons of action. Uh, Derek hit it on the head that there's, you know, a little bit more, you know, heartbreaking moments than you expect for something like this. Uh, yeah, there, there, I don't really have uh, too many major complaints. Um, yeah, the, this was a fun time. Uh, you know, one of the the better entries I've seen in this kind of a genre. And it's definitely, you know, a fun throwback. And, it, you know, there's a, it, it does a lot right. And uh, mm-hmm. the, the few flaws that I think that are there aren't really too much of an issue. So, yeah, uh, very high recommend for this one. Awesome. Well, I don't know if this is going to consider me a little bit higher than you guys on this movie, which seems impossible, but I absolutely fucking love this movie. I had a blast with every single minute of this film. The character development worked for me. And this is a movie, you know, this is like a classic kaiju film in the sense that we don't get any monster in the first half hour of the film. The whole first act is more about the emergence, if you will, of the creature. And then (laughs) we actually get a lot of elements of uh, what to do with a dead kaiju as well, in the sense of, you know, you got the political stuff, you've got, you know, the the prime minister and, and their cabinet 
you know, trying to figure out a what this thing is and b how to deal with it. So, you know, you get a little bit of the Politico stuff in here, which is pretty cool. Um, at least it's not insufferable, you know, so I'll take that. Even though we do have a very, what's it called, a tropey character, if you will. You know, in movies like this that involve the military or the government, there's always that one guy that wants to use the nuclear option. It's a very common American movie Are you talking trope. about Norwegian Gary Oldman? Norwegian Gary Oldman, you are correct. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so you're going to see tropey elements in here. Obviously, there's... Uh, I mean, this movie has a lot of homages in here. I mean, we, we you you see you see elements of Independence Day, Kong Skull Island, Jurassic Park. I mean, this movie is like a Norwegian summer blockbuster. It looks like it was very expensive. This movie doesn't look cheap at all, and not just the creature effects too, but just the opening scene of the grandfather or of the father and daughter mountain climbing. That scene is absolutely gorgeous. The cinematography is beautiful. The mountain landscape you know and then when we get the kind of reveal of that first opening scene it's just awe-inducing i i absolutely loved it and then going into the film of course uh great score beautiful effects i have no issues with the acting like like nobody's acting took me out of the movie I, i'd say the person that maybe was the least convincing might have been the military captain, Captain Chris, just because, you know, he has to play this hard ass and that character just gets kind of generic after a while. Yeah. Um, not to, you know, again, not to fault him necessarily. He did what the director told him to do, so that's fine. But I still, you know, I had a really good time. Our two, well, our three main characters, which of course are Tobias, uh, the daughter, uh, Nora, and then Andreas, who is the advisor to the prime minister who's been assigned to go with Nora and Tobias to, you know, find out as much information as they possibly can about this thing. Yeah, just uh, the, all those relationships all worked for me. You know, the jokes were mildly funny. I mean, there was a little bit of comedy interjected here and there. Some Star Trek references. I love oh, that. Oh, man. Star Trek references. M Ramon references. I mean, at one point in the movie, Andrea. Call of Duty. Oh, Call of Duty was, yeah, that was funny. Um, I mean, yeah, just, I, I did love that. I, I don't know if I like that Ramon reference or if I rolled my eyes, but yeah, Andreas is in the car and he says, hey ho, and Nora says, let's go. And I'm like, ah. ah. I kind of died a little inside, but I, I actually didn't get it the first time until the second watch because I watched this twice. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, just the pop culture references throughout the film, you know, it, it, it's always going to kind of be very inviting to American audiences like us. You know, sometimes watching foreign films could be a little bit of a strain for some people, be it subtitles, be it culture differences, whatever the case may be. But I think here they do a really good job of, quote unquote, Americanizing this movie. I mean, we get, as I said, we get beautiful effects throughout amazing action sequences that rival some of the best kaiju movies we've seen recently, stuff like Kong Skull Island and Godzilla King of the Monsters, just some beautiful fight sequences, actual emotion. I mean, when Derek says that he, you know, almost shed a tear, that's not hyperbole, folks. There's a couple of genuinely sad scenes in this movie. And, you know, we're obviously not going to get into them until, you know, we get into our spoiler-filled section, but... So much I loved about this movie. A lot of the gags, the, the, um, the prime minister's assistant, his comic book idea that he kept pushing the people throughout the entire yeah. fucking movie. I thought that was because at first, when he first talked about his comic book character, 
being, you know, a monster that can pull his head off and then throw it at people so that it bites them and then shoots his fingers like darts. I, I'm thinking, Jesus, this is insane. But like then as the movie, Bali, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but as the movie goes along, the more he brings it up and the more he talks to other, it, it's like every time he meets a new character, we get like kind of a, it, it's not like the camera's focused on him, but like he'll walk by the camera talking about, oh yeah, and he can, he can detach his hands and throw them like snowballs. <laughs> it's just, I, this guy, this guy was entertaining. He's a little bit of a goofball. Uh, I mean, that's his role. So, you know, you got to deal with that, but I still found him incredibly entertaining. But like I said, overall, absolutely love this movie. I mean, I just did not expect this to be as good. You know, with with something like Troll Hunter, they're able to kind of hide the imperfections of the effects because A, it's found footage, and B, it's mostly shot at night. Mm-hmm. Which is probably why that movie worked back in, what, 2009, 10, 11, whenever it came out. Yeah, the effects weren't really, you know, they're, they're, it's a cheaper movie too, since it is found yeah. from very low budget. So, you know, the effects probably, if they were like filmed the, this way back then, would look probably even more shittier. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, many, many people have said it that, you know, the effects in Troll Hunter maybe don't hold up as well over the years, but at the very least, um, you know, it was, I mean, because I do love Troll Hunter. I saw, yeah, me I saw too, it yeah. right when it was released. I Andre Overdahl is literally one of my favorite directors. I think he's done some great shit. Yeah, he's three for three for me. Yeah, man. and maybe this director, I mean, this director's already done some great stuff between Cold, Prey, and The Wave. I mean, you know, some awesome, awesome stuff. So he already has a good pedigree, but, you know, kind of like Andre Overdahl started getting more Hollywood attention after Troll Hunter. I'm hoping that uh, Rar, Roar, however he pronounced his name, um, gets a little bit of that attention as well, the American cinema attention, because, like I said, this movie just looks so good. Did we actually get a budget on this movie? Uh, sorry, folks, I probably should have looked this up before, but yeah. Uh, no, there's no listing for a budget here, but yeah. I mean, it doesn't look cheap. The movie doesn't look cheap, definitely. Good mix of, you know, CG effects with some props, like, you know, giant fingers and hands and stuff for picking items up, things like that. You know, the classic stuff that we've seen. But a majority, I'd say 98% of it is still obvi- very obviously CG. Um, man, what else can we kind of talk about here without getting into spoilers? I mean, we, we've, <laughs> we've basically filleted this movie. Like I said, I, I want to talk about mm-hmm. my favorite character who is Norwegian Sam Neill. Tobias. <laughs> Norwegian Sam Neill. <laughs> he was great though. And, yeah. and what, you know, he, he kind of falls into that, the hierarchy of harbingers that we've gotten over the years, the crazy Ralphs of the world, you know, the, the crazy old coot who actually knows the yeah, truth. He kind of looks like the, the crazy Ralph from Friday 3. Yeah, I'll go with that. Absolutely. <laughs> and obviously, I mean, when an, when an older gentleman is walking around talking about trolls living in Norway and, you know, basically not in hiding, like walking around amongst the people and blah, blah, blah. Obviously, it's going to be hard for government officials to believe him. And once we get into the story a little bit more in the spoiler filled section, you'll you'll kind of see what they the unfair treatment that our poor Tobias got in his life. But um, yeah, I mean, if there's nothing else, what do you think, guys? Get into uh, some spoilers. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I'm good. awesome. All right. Well, um, and, you know, as we mentioned earlier, you know, the movie kind of starts out like your basic kaiju movie. There's an incident at the start. There's basically there's a construction crew trying to build a tunnel through a mountain and they set off explosions. These explosions release something in the opening scene. You know, we get like a, a, a shitty cell phone video. 
of, you know, showing the explosion. And at one point, of course, we get the, you know, the freeze frame where they freeze frame on the video and you see something that's, you know, a bipedal, something humanoid like arms, legs, head, blah, blah, blah. But that's really all we get for the first half hour. You know, the first half hour is solidly, you know, character development, yeah. um, lore development, obviously, with all the stories that Tobias told uh, his daughter, her kind of conveying a lot of those stories that she had heard. And obviously, you know, the back and forth between government officials and scientists, of course, you know, they never get along. You know, the government obviously wants to destroy this thing out of nowhere, even though ultimately this thing, I mean, other than the final scene, he doesn't really ever get aggressive. Like, you know, he's not like attacking people. I mean, at one yeah, point it makes you, yeah, he feels, mm-hmm. feels like he's, he's just, uh, observing mostly. Cause it's like, what the hell is this people doing this to me for? Exactly. I mean, there was a, there was a scene early on where he smashed a house. I'm sure that was accidental. I mean, he's a big fucker. He probably didn't even see the house down there considering how tall he was. I don't know if they ever actually gave us a height in this movie, but I, mean, they say, like, I think they said about 150, although that was probably because they were in the, the room and they were guessing based off how big the footprints would be, that it would be about 150 gotcha. feet. You know, that's like exactly like what I was talking about, because pretty much this movie starts out like B for B. It's the beginning of Godzilla 98, even like mm-hmm. studying the fucking footprints. But it's more enjoyable to me because the characters are actually being characters. Um, they're actually <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're likable. I mean, you know, if we call this a kaiju movie, it's probably some of the best human acting and likable characters we've seen in a kaiju style movie. I mean, you know, it's not like it's just a break from the kaiju action. Like when we get scenes with only human characters, you know, there's actually plot points advancing. There's stories being told. There's information being exchanged. It's not like it's not just dull kids. Sorry. Sorry, Toho. But, you know, it's not just, you know, kids going around and, you know, having mischief and blah, 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 and then interacting with Gamera or Jan Gary or whatever the hell you want to go with. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. Don't bring up little Hitler. Don't do it. (laughs) Uh, No, man. Another thing. There's no little Hitler in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, hey, I, I, I don't inherently hate kids, but I do hate kids that ruin my movies. And when I see kids in a film, more than half the time, they kind of ruin it. So it, it, it's refreshing to not have to deal with that. I mean, this is a very adult kaiju movie. Absolutely. Very yeah. adult. You know, the themes that they're talking about, the lore, they're talking about thousands year old lore of Norway and these trolls and everything. Just such a beautiful backstory. I was just going to say, can we mention the American actor that was in this movie? Because that was kind of a thing that I was going to spoil. <laughs> Go ahead. Billy the Rocketeers in this movie as like the daughter's like co-worker in the yep. beginning. And I'm like, why is Billy Campbell in this fucking movie? <laughs> For one you know, scene too. <laughs> it, it was, you know, it was great. It was like, this is great right now. He plays like the older, like, wait a minute. Isn't that the fucking Rocketeer? Why is he in this? That's awesome. I didn't yeah. notice it was the Rocketeer, honestly, so I'm glad you mentioned it. I would have never noticed. I watched that movie once, and I will never watch it again. So, 
<laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that later. But oh, you know, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, we got a lot of movie references to talk about in this movie. I mean, early on in the film, we get the uh, the Jurassic Park ripples and a cup of coffee. I know it was in a glass of water in Jurassic Park, but here it's a cup of coffee. But it's the exact same shot, literally. Yeah. The, the big heavy footsteps, the ripples appearing in the cup of coffee. Honestly, I did like that scene, even though we don't really get to see any monster in that scene. I thought that was a pretty cool scene. It's quick. It's tense. And when they come out, you know, when they come out of the basement, I think that shot is awesome where they come out and most of their house is gone and they're literally just outside. <laughs> I thought that was yeah. a great little shot, you know. But yeah. I mean, the way that you look at it, the, the way you see the, the the print in, you know, in the house or the damage to the house. I mean, it's very obvious this thing was just walking and just happened to, you know, run into this house. Like I said, yeah, he might have hit it with his tail, you know, or he might have hit it with his tail. That's right. Yeah. This troll does have a tail. I forgot to mention. Yeah. Which he uses effectively in multiple scenes. Uh, unfortunately, you know, to our dismay in one scene, but we'll get to that. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, throughout the film, we get more information, more lore. We're introduced to more of the military characters, more of the politicians and the prime minister's people. Norwegian Gary Oldman. Yeah, Norwegian Gary Oldman. The Star Trek fans, which I thought were adorable. Um, uh, oh, basically, the, the hacker. I loved her. Yeah, the hacker and, and the assistant to the prime minister had this little thing where they did Spock's, you know, live long and prosper, prosper hand gesture. I thought that was pretty cool. Again, pop culture references. I mean... Norway must love Americans because they reference a lot of our stuff in this film. And then we get this great scene where they're, you know, where we get our first full view of the troll. And I just love this fucking scene. You know, basically uh, the characters, Nora, Tobias, and the military guys that are with them follow the the, the footprints that the troll has left behind. And they just stop out of nowhere. There's no cave in the area. The footprints just stop altogether. And then Nora and Tobias start having a little bit of an argument. You know, again, Nora is not convinced that trolls are real and that this is some kind of supernatural creature, whatever the case may be. But then we get this awesome shot where the rock formation behind them, we see an eye open, like literally an eyelid open. It's so good because the it's so good too because the scene before it was actually just rock, you know. Yeah, exactly. It actually was it, just you know? rock. But yeah, this and, and it's it's pretty cool the way they figured it out too. Tobias, the older guy, you know, Nora's father, realized that there was a rock formation in this valley that shouldn't be here. And literally the rock formation was the troll. Basically they have the ability to hide in plain sight. So they can just lay down, close their eyes, and they just look like a mountain because they're just made of um, rock and earth, basically. There's no blood or bone in these things. Well, I guess there is some sort of bone because we do see some skeletons later on. But, you know, we, we never see the thing bleed. Whenever it takes damage, it instantly heals. There's that great shot early on when it took a... Uh, a rocket blast to the arm and then he just looks down at it and it heals instantly. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but, but it makes sense because again, we're not dealing with blood and tissue here. We're dealing with earth and stone. So, you know, I, I thought that was a, just a great little twist to put on it, that this isn't necessarily an organic creature. And it's organic in the sense that it's, you know, it's a, like I said, it's elemental. Alive. elemental. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. That's the word I was looking for. It is very solidly an earth elemental creature. And which I, makes sense because, you know, it's like uh-huh. the whole thing with the kaiju, even like the Tobias says nature will fight back. And that's usually what kaiju represent is a force of nature. Yep. And this thing is a force of nature. 
Absolutely. Yeah. But anyway, after, like I said, after they, uh, Nora and Tobias are having this argument, we see the eye open in the background. Nora is the first one to notice the eye open. She freezes in place and just points at it and says, Dad, he turns around and then we see this thing open its other eye and start to get up. And my God, I mean, like I said, this scene is comparable to anything you see in like Kong Skull Island. Um, that shot of Kong after he kills the octopus, maybe that just of him just standing there in the water, very comparable to what we see here in the first appearance of the troll. Don, come on in here. Tell me what what'd you think about the first appearance of the troll. Yeah, it's very, very much like the uh, sequence in the 98 Godzilla when he rises up out of the sewer from the fish trap. Because mm-hmm. it's, the you know, you see him like just appearing like right behind him and you get like that the close up of, you know, it interacting and they're almost like, you know, face to face kind of. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was like one of the big things for me was that I, it looked almost pretty much like one of those kinds of sequences where it's you know they're they're face to face and like right there next to him so yeah yeah it was a it was pretty fun and yeah the the gag with the eye and then it's <laughs> like oh crap you know it's actually here yeah I, I loved that that was a lot of fun that was pretty damn cool now shortly after this we run we, we go through a series of events where Nora continues to deny that her father is telling the truth or that she doesn't believe what he's saying. I'm yelling at the TV like you literally just look this thing in the eye and you're going to tell me that it's not some, you know, I mean, troll is the most obvious word. I'm obviously in Norway. That might be the first thing they think of here. We might just call it like a giant or something like that. But she, she started to annoy me after a while, actually, like just continuing to deny her father, deny that he knew what he was talking about. And then, of course, we have the great reconciliation scene, which is one of the tearjerkers in the scene. Just a beautiful scene where these two, because these two haven't been together in a while. Dad has been in a mental facility for the better part of the last 12 years. Remember that number, 12 years? And obviously, Nora has gone on to become a world-famous paleontologist. I mean, she's got the government of Norway, you know, calling on her services. So she's obviously the Alan Grant of this movie, if you will. Dr. Grant. <laughs> um, so, like, like I said, we we get the beautiful reconciliation scene. They make up, you know. They finally make amends. They hug. They both cry. Nora even makes a comment, "Are you crying?" You know, which I thought was cute. Um, it's the pine. Yeah, exactly. And then out of nowhere, to break up this beautiful, sweet moment, in comes our troll, and he's walking towards where they are. And again. One of the things I notice about this troll is that he doesn't ever go on the offensive unprovoked. He's not just walking around destroying stuff and attacking people. I mean, that beautiful scene at the amusement park, he literally doesn't bother with anybody. I mean, he's looking down at the ground, seeing all the people scatter, and not once does he make an aggressive move. And it bothered me that no one in the movie seemed to notice that. No one seemed to notice that this thing is fairly docile. I I compare this thing to kind of like Clover from Cloverfield, where he's just a confused monster who doesn't really even want to be here. He's just trying to find a way out or a way back home. So, yeah, very much a a sympathetic monster. As I've said many times on this show, I'll say it many times again, the creature is almost always a sympathetic character. And in this one, it's 100 percent true. You know, he's the last of his kind. Um, Later in the film, we find out that there were families of them that existed that lived openly in Norway with the people of Norway. 
one of the things that I re- the plot point that really spoke to me, and maybe that's just because I'm kind of a dick when it comes to religion, is the fact that they said trolls hate Christianity because they basically yeah. they they turn Norway into a Christian country, like you know the the rulers of the time turned Norway into a Christian country, and as soon as that happened, the trolls kind of instantly rebelled against it because it was the Christians who killed these trolls back in the day, but you know however many the hundreds of years ago this happened. Um, it was the Christians. By the way, how the hell do ancient Christians kill trolls? That seems like I mean we we couldn't kill a troll, and with modern weaponry, how the hell did they kill like dozens of them? And they're just Christians basically. I I know they fought in like the Crusades and stuff like that, so they did have warriors in their ranks. But these are fucking gigantic trolls that doesn't look like they can be killed by with any particular weapon. That's what I was gonna say. Uh, if you look at the graveyard when we come to when it comes to pass, they're mm-hmm. not much bigger than a human would be. They're probably would you know they look like they ended up killing off the infants and then yeah. just let the giants die of old age. Yeah, they, that mm-hmm. would probably have been like a reasonable plan of action. Whereas you you kill the young, you kill the small ones first. Yeah, yeah, you, ki- you kill, kill the, the weak ones. Yeah, yeah, you kill the small ones and then just let the old ones die of old age. Yeah, because you've killed off the young ones, they can't repopulate, and then you've already got the guard that's still alive that can't reproduce anymore. That's just gonna end up killing off the race. Well, I'm saying the, the statue, the, the skeleton that they have is really only, you know, it's as big as what can fit in a pickup truck. I mean, yeah. you know, spoilers for later. Yeah. So it's not like it's going to be a really big thing. I mean, it's probably maybe 10, 15 feet at most. Yeah, I figured that was a child. I mean, I actually thought maybe he recognized that skull as maybe a sibling or something because they talked about how they, you know, got rid of the young. Yeah, I was going to say say more spoilers to like something later. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, <laughs> it could be a fucking sibling, or it could be its child. For all we know, we don't oh, know. That's true one, too, yeah. Which one actually? Well, yeah, you know, that's the re- big reveal at the very end that they're in like a pre-mid credit scene. You know, yep. because <laughs> it goes back into like the story. You know, they actually took a son to lure the big one out. Yeah, yeah. Hey, maybe we'll get a sequel. I'd, I'd be down with that. I mean, yeah. the ending definitely implies a sequel, so, you know, we'll see. But, oh, man, where do we go from here? At this point, the government, obviously, you know, they, they basically decide we have to destroy this thing, even though, as I've said, it hasn't really attacked anybody unless it's attacked first. Yeah, we get, we secret, get the great... secret missiles, their yeah, version exactly. of the A-bomb. <laughs> During the first interaction, they have like tanks and stuff, you know, heavy artillery shooting at the creature. It does absolutely nothing. The creature brushes it off like nothing, like a fly. Later, you know, obviously later on, you know, the, the uh, government or at least the one member of the government wants to use their nuclear option, which, you know, is never a good idea. It seems like that character just never, ever either thinks about or cares about the millions of people that could potentially die from the nuclear fallout. Uh, they, he just wants to see that creature dead. So, yeah. of course, you know, uh, we, we get that guilty pleasure scene later on when the hacker knocks him out. That that was uh, pretty awesome. Yeah. Anytime, anytime a girl, uh, you know, a, a female that looks timid, you know, she doesn't look like a tough chick. I mean, she is in the military, so obviously she's got some kind of skills. But, you know, she looks like a, you know, timid nerd. computer engineer, you know, a nerd. Yeah. Absolutely. Star Trek nerd. So, yeah, when she busts out that right hook and knocks out a nuclear weapon guy, yeah, that was pretty awesome. So, yeah. uh, you know, obviously set up to be a guilty 
pleasure, kind of a fist pump moment, if you will. But whatever, for whatever it's worth, it worked for me. And then, oh, wait, wait well, I forgot to kind of talk about the end of the re- reconciliation scene. After Nora and Tobias reconcile and they've made up and they're a happy, you know, father and daughter again, of course, our troll shows up. Tobias actually does something very surprising that no one expects. He actually stands in front of the creature, like yelling at it, almost like he's trying to talk to it. Obviously, if this thing's 150 feet tall, you're going to have to yell pretty goddamn hard for him to be able to hear your tiny little voice from the ground. So he's like, you know, yelling uh, and speaking to it in Norwegian. Apparently, it, it looks like it understood because at no point was it going to attack the old man? It was literally standing there. It even started to make the whimpering sounds, you know, that it was like listening to him. It was like, exactly. it was calming him down, you know, exactly. Yes. Big time. I mean, the, the Tobias was doing everything he needed to. Unfortunately, there was one more tank that hadn't been destroyed yet. It starts shooting at the creature. The creature instantly turns around to deal with the the attack behind him without thinking about the fact that he has a tail. And the tail, unfortunately, whips back and pretty much throws Tobias about 50 feet in the air. I mean, and as I said, Tobias is an old man. He looks like he's easily 60, 70 years old. So. Yeah, he's fucking Norwegian Sam Neill in that Boar movie. I'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah. uh, One of the first sad moments of the movie, obviously. I mean, Tobias, he has this look of somewhat happiness on his face, because like I said, even though or not, like I said, excuse me, like I'm about to say, um, even though he only he only survived another day after reconnecting with his uh, estranged daughter, he got to die looking at the thing that he believed in his whole life. You know, yeah. he, ne- he never saw a live one. He only saw like the, the imprints in the mountains, you know, the supposedly dead ones from, you know, generations past. But he actually got to see one and he got to talk to it. So ultimately, I think he died happy. I'm, you know, obviously he didn't want to die, I'm sure. But I think even he understood that it was an accident. It wasn't uh, it wasn't an egregious attack by the troll. Just the troll didn't realize where his tail was. And yeah, just uh, pretty yeah. much just knocked him out. That tail is a mind of its own sometimes, you know? <laughs> Barf! <laughs> All right. No, no more space balls. Okay. <laughs> so after Tobias is gone, you know, we kind of, uh, Nora comes up with this idea based on the lore. One of the lore that they talk about is that um, after Christians moved into Norway, the trolls would throw boulders at the churches whenever they would ring their church bells. Apparently, Christian church bells are painful to trolls. So what they end up doing is they they hook up four large oh, cool. uh, church bells onto four different helicopters, one on each helicopter, and they're literally ringing the bells as they're flying towards the monster. This is this is when the troll is at the amusement park. Uh, you know, I talked about that scene earlier. He's not attacking anybody. He's not being aggressive. He's just kind of looking around trying to figure out what direction he's going to go next. And then here comes the military you know, with their church bells. And as it turns out, it actually does start to work. Like he, he actually drops down to one knee. He's covering his ears. But unfortunately, of course, you know, the military guys get a little overzealous. The the captain says, okay, tighten formation, which I'm screaming at the TV. Why would you tighten formation? Are you not looking at what you're dealing with? And of course the inevitable happens. Yeah, they tighten this is their very formation. Skull Island. Exactly. You know, 
you know, so like I said, they tighten their formation, and of course, he's able to grab, I think he grabs like an ice cream truck or stand or something at the yeah. amusement park yeah. and literally throws it at one of the helicopters, knocks the tail off of the helicopter completely. That helicopter goes spiraling down to the ground. And then and then we get that cool effect where he grabs one helicopter out of the air and uses it as a club to knock out another helicopter out of the air. Yeah, very Kong. Oh, God. I just like I said, this, this scene is incredibly comparable to what we see in Skull Island. I haven't watched Skull Island in over a year, so maybe I'll sit down and watch it to do a little side by side comparison. But. You know, to see this thing that's, you know, a, a VOD from Norway look so gorgeous, uh, that's part of the triumph of this movie. Is that, you know, I, earlier I called it a Norwegian uh, blockbuster, summer blockbuster. It absolutely is. Unfortunately, it dropped on December 1st on Netflix. So maybe it had a theatrical run Which in Norway. Be like their summer. You never <laughs> I guess, know. yeah, that is true. It is the other side of the world. You never know. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so, you know, after this scene, you know, the last helicopter left standing is, of course, the one with Nora and Captain Chris and Andreas in there. They end up uh, flying away. They stop their bell from ringing, obviously, after after the troll went crazy and destroyed three of the helicopters. You know, they stop the, the fourth bell from ringing. They just fly away. And it's actually a pretty cool scene of two combatants because... You actually see both of them, both the helicopter and the troll, both turn around at the same time and calmly just go their separate way. Yeah, after he saved that ginger kid and his dad. That's right. One of the helicopters was, you know, one of the helicopters that he batted out of the ground was falling towards, you know, a, a dad and his son on the ground. And yeah, this, this, here's elements of Gamera now, where he literally grabs the helicopter out of the sky as it's falling towards them and Gamera. saves. <laughs> so, so yeah um obviously you know it, it's just another show of proof that this troll is not aggressive that he's not necessarily a threat to everyone obviously he is a threat just by sheer size if this, if this thing walks through a city he's going to destroy most of the city there's not really much you can do about it you know, it's not like Godzilla, who's purposely knocking down buildings and, you know, using his atomic breath on everything in sight. No, this, this poor guy, like I said, he's just trying to get home. And where is home? Home turns out to be in a cavern below the royal palace of Norway. Yes, at yep. one point in the film, Nora and Andreas go to the palace, the royal palace of Norway, they're greeted there, of course, by a royal guard who are ready to shoot their brains out if they get any closer to the fence than they already are. And, but then, and then they're introduced by the butler who's wearing walking like this giant cane. Yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> he very Willy Wonka. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, basically, uh, you know, this person comes out. He says, oh, I totally expected that, you know, they would be sending someone eventually. And I kind of figured it would be a Titabin. Uh, Titaman. And oh, by the way, that's Nora and Tobias's last name. The family name is uh, Titaman. T-I-D-E-M-A-N-N. -N. So uh, mm -hmm. pronounced Titaman. Yeah. So. so this guy has expected these people to show up and he starts talking about more of the history that Tobias didn't tell them. Uh, he, he basically reveals that they actually had families, that, the, that these trolls lived in family groups, very tight-knit family groups, and that, you know, much like elephants, they defended each other, they, they raised each other's young, blah, 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 very tight-knit families. 
But like I said, because the Christians came and turned Norway into a Christian country and trolls don't fit into their Christian beliefs, they basically, you know, destroyed a lot of them. So, yeah, obvious, just another reason for me to hate Christians. Not that I need any more, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> Did we mention uh, when he ate that Christian man? We didn't, the, actually. That's right. <laughs> he smelled the blood of a Christian man. It was yeah, great. They, uh, they mentioned that he can smell the blood of Christians. And, yeah, at one point during one of the attacks, a soldier is basically saying, uh, Hail Mary. He's saying the Hail Mary and holding on to his crucifix. And you see the troll walk right by him, start sniffing. And then there's like four or five people there. But he picks out the one Christian, picks him up, and just fucking eats him. Which... I don't know. I, I guess trolls have to eat. I mean, they're made of earth and stone. I, I, I mean, but whatever. I'm not going to question it. Maybe it wasn't eating it for sustenance so much as he just wanted to, you know, make this thing go through the worst death Fucking possible. Christian, die. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so yeah, don't admit that you're Christian around a troll. They will fuck you up. <laughs> so uh, we're at the Royal yeah, Palace. The court of yeah, owls. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so at the royal palace, uh, the butler or whoever the hell he was takes them to a secret cavern below the royal palace. And this, my friends, is the Hall of the Mountain King. You have no awesome. idea how happy I was when he said that. For those who don't know, Hall of the Mountain King, it comes from multiple Norse mythology stories. It is also the best album from heavy metal band Sabotage from the 80s. It was a mm -hmm. concept album. I, I know a lot of you youngins might not know it, but yeah, uh, Hall of the Mountain King sabotage an amazing heavy metal album a concept album uh, which got me into you know it, it was one of the things that got me into norse mythology was that album so yeah to see it kind of come full circle and actually have that title used in a film I, I just absolutely loved it like i said something for 80s heavy metal fans more than anything um, but yeah, we, we see the Hall of the Mountain King, and it's basically a graveyard. It's just skull, skulls everywhere, skeletons of varying sizes. There's big ones, there's little ones. So obviously, you know, whole families were taken out. And basically the butler, you know, he, he talks about the story that I just said, where the Christians came in, um, trolls didn't fit into their Christian beliefs, so they had to destroy them so that they could successfully make Norway a fully Christian country. So obviously, you know, Nora and Andreas are both there and they're like in shock because they're literally sitting there. Nora's sitting there and pretty much seeing her childhood. Every fairy tale, every troll story that her father ever told her, it all true. hits her. Yeah, it all hits her at once that holy shit, it was all true. That's got to be a hard thing to swallow, especially when your dad's not there to apologize to either. So there's that. Yeah. But yeah, just a beautiful scene. Very, uh, again, very sad looking at all these skeletons. Some of them are in like positions where they died in pain. Uh, some look like they died hungry, like they just starved and they're keeled over, you know, almost like they're holding their midsection. Just a, just a really bad scene. But this gives Nora an idea. And what, what she, now, um, I forgot to mention that at this point, our uh, titular troll is on his way to the royal palace. As it turns out, this troll knows where he comes from. He knows where his home is, and he's basically just going home. Again, very sympathetic. He's not aggressive. He's not trying to kill. He just wants to go home. 
And, uh, you know, of course, humanity is never going to allow that. So Nora comes up with the idea to grab one of the skulls, one of the smaller ones. It looks like it's maybe a child skull. And she puts it into the bed of a pickup truck and starts driving it around the city. Yeah, it's very uh, Godzilla 98. Again, again yeah, yeah, very much. At one point, you know, she they have a standoff with the troll and then they pull like the tarp off the skull, exposing the skull and the back of the truck. And you can see the troll react right away, you know, very angry. He he roars, probably the loudest roar we hear in the movie, and just starts giving chase. And again, a spectacular scene of just, you know, the truck driving up and down bridges and passes as this thing is trying to take it out. Eventually, they lose the skull, like the skull falls out of the back of the truck. And, and they end up... It up. Yeah, yeah he, ah, and another sad scene where he picks this thing up and he looks at it and you can kind of tell that either A, he recognizes the skull as, a, as a, a skull of a troll, so it just instantly makes him sad, or he recognizes the skull itself as a sibling or a family member or a child, like Derek said, so... Yeah, just a really, really sad scene. At that point, he's standing next to a glass building. He looks at the building, sees his own reflection. He goes to touch the glass on the side of the building. The glass breaks. It freaks him out a little bit when it breaks. Very Harry and their Hendersons. Exactly, yep. And then he ends up dropping the skull. The skull shatters into a thousand pieces. And he is just, you know, he if you thought he was mad before, he's just livid at this point. He looks up. He sees the truck still there. Nora and Andreas are still in the truck. And then he gives chase, like I said, in just a beautiful scene throughout this part of Oslo. Um, and it actually is Oslo, by the way. This was actually shot in Oslo. So, I mean, obviously they shot at night because, you know, these are evacuation scenes that they were filming. Yeah. So basically there's nobody in the city, blah, blah, blah. So, like I said, eventually they are able to at one point. Oh, and I forgot to mention that while we were at the Hall of the Mountain King, Nora pulls out her UV light to kind of look for some um, uh, tissue or something that she could maybe take back to a lab or whatever. And when she puts the UV light on the bones, on the skeleton, it starts to turn to stone. Like literally in front of their eyes, it starts to turn to stone. She gets the brilliant idea of trying to get large military grade UV lamps and potentially surrounding the creature in the hopes that, uh, you know, it'll turn them to stone and kill them. Yeah, this was a cool like reveal because at first I thought that sunlight because they seen it during the day so they would think maybe the sunlight bullshit's fake you know maybe the guy who thought the story messed up but then they mm -hmm. find out no he has to actually look at be in the rays of the sun yeah direct light yep yeah so yeah um at this point they are successful in getting those large uv um lamps generators whatever you want to go with they, they got them in a circular formation Nora and Andreas are able to lure the troll because it's still kind of giving chase. It's pretty awesome because it feels like this is their version of like the Toho Gamma Rays from the movies. Those big giant laser guns. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. That's true. I didn't even think about that. So, like I said, they get the troll in the circle. They turn all the UV lights on and we see the, his skin start to kind of, you know, um, smoke and maybe blister a little bit. Uh, so it's obviously working. 
The problem is it's taking a long time and he's in just abs- he's in agony because he's turning into stone incredibly slowly. You know, it's not like Medusa looking at somebody and it's just instant. They're stoned or <laughs> they're stoned. Um, <laughs> it's taking forever. He's writhing in pain. Nora out of nowhere decides to, you know, uh, decides that she actually does have a heart, decides that she doesn't really want to kill this thing, at least not like this. Like, you know, it it seems like she's smart enough to understand that this thing can't really be left alive because, you know, it's going to cause problems for Norway and, you know, any other place that it might decide to go. You know, you can't count on the fact that it's going to hibernate for a thousand years again, because basically we find out that this guy has been asleep for a thousand years. As I mentioned earlier, woken up from the construction, the dynamiting of that mountain of the Duvray Mountain. So... Yeah, basically a sleeping giant that's awakened. And yeah, what do they say about waking up sleeping giants? Well, this movie is the personification of that lore. Don't wake up sleeping giants. And like I said, at this point, the, the troll is, you know, writhing in pain. He's turning into slow into stone incredibly slowly. So Nora gets a heart, decides she doesn't want to do this. And she goes and she turns off all the UV lamps herself. And literally the moment that she turns them off, the creature, you know, kind of stops writhing in pain. But at that same second, the sun rises and it's the first sunny scene of this movie. This entire movie takes place during cloudy, overcast weather. So it's the first time that we see the sun. The sun comes out. It has direct access to the troll. And then he turns to stone at a more normal pace. Like, it still looks like it was painful, but at least he's not, like, writhing there for multiple minutes, you know? He turns to stone just before his eye. The last part of him turns to stone, which is his eye. Nora walks up to him and puts her hand on him. Yeah, yeah, touches his snout, almost like she's regretting what she did. But at the same time, like I said, I think she's smart enough to know it was, you know, kind of something that needed to be done. I mean, at one point, she tried to convince it to leave, just go home. She's trying to convince it, just go back to the mountain. We won't there's attack a part you. Of, there is a part of her that wants it to survive, too, because it's the last of its kind. And it's going to remind her of her father. I mean, ultimately, that's, yeah. a, that's a piece of her father that gets to live on, but unfortunately, it doesn't. Yeah, the inevitable happens. As we said, our our troll is finally turned into stone. He falls now over. Now it's Tobias <laughs> Tobias, yeah, they, they, there's a cute little scene where they try to decide what to name the stone. Like the stone formation, you know, like Nora Hill or something like that. I think they decide to go with Tobias Rock. They named it after, you know, her father, which is pretty, you know, poignant, definitely. Wow. And then our credits roll, and then we get a mid-credit sequence, which also you know, very Godzilla '98. <laughs> exactly. Uh, basically, you know, we're back to the original cave at the Duvray Mountain where they were, you know, where they were using dynamite to try to build that tunnel. We see just an empty cave cavern, just and and then we start to hear rumbling. You know, the camera starts to shake. It's rumbling, and then something comes out of the ground, fade to black, and that's I want a our film. So though. bad. You know what? Considering what they were able to do with this movie, I would absolutely love to see a sequel because you know they're going to have more money. I mean, this thing's going to be popular. It's it's number three currently on Netflix. I mean, for for a Norwegian movie, a creature feature, no less, number three on Netflix for the week after. Yeah, I mean, because Dark has been out over a week, so it's the second week of release, and it's still at number three. So hell yeah, I I wish the top three still. 
Wednesday's still number one, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so being that close to Wednesday is pretty good. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what can I say? If you've got a Netflix subscription, support this film, man. Go ahead and watch it. I'm assuming you've probably already watched it if you decided to stay with us this long. Watch it again, folks. Let's get those numbers up because these are the kind of films that we want to see from Netflix. You know, Shudder kind of has the monopoly on like slashers and giallos and zombie movies and shit like that. But to be able to see a really intelligent creature feature coming from Norway, I, I'm very happy that Netflix picked this up. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to make them some, some new subscribers once, you know, once shows like this start coming out, praising the movie, I think a lot of people are going to, you know, run out and check it out. I, I, I want to ask you guys a question though, real quick. If there was a sequel to this, do you have any pred- predictions what would happen in it i predict that if they do a sequel this one's going to be even bigger this is probably going to be the parent of the troll from this movie so if this troll was about 150 feet tall don't be surprised if we're talking 250 yeah, to 300 the, feet <laughs> yeah that's what i'm thinking like I, they're gonna do like a like a thing like kind of like a you know, the, the first anime Godzilla movie where they actually killed Godzilla's son and then oh, right. and then he comes out of the mountain like the fucking troll did. <laughs> you know, kind of cool. That would be kind of cool where it's like a like it's the dad, it's the mountain king himself. Very and, uh very Gorgo. Remember Gorgo? Yeah, yeah very yeah. much like that. And then but you know, even awesomer if the fucking un, like they bring like a fucking frost giant also awakens oh God. a threat and then it turns into a fucking troll verse and a frost giant <laughs> norse mythology at its best yeah they could, they could make like a giant like they could have like a fucking version of the yotan from fucking the ritual in here yeah oh, and that's funny too because i'm i'm actually in the middle of playing uh god of war ragnarok which is you know based around norse mythology for people who don't know and in this movie there's a city called jotunheim yeah in, that's in the game. It's actually, it's the realm of the giants. It's the land of the giants. So yeah. I thought it was just a cool little addition to this movie that most people may not notice, but if you're into Norse mythology, I think it's just one of those little Easter eggs that you're really going to get into. Yeah. I can could, I could see this as a fucking franchise where they just find like other monsters from Norse mythology and make Ooh. it like versus. Yeah. Yeah. Norman, no, uh, what's his name? Norman Gander, the, the world serpent. Yeah. Ah, the world serpent. Imagine the world serpent in a movie. Holy shit. Well, they even got like the Kraken, you know, like a sea monster for it to fight. Absolutely, man. Ah, I mean, Norse mythology has plenty of monsters. And God forbid they start to. Hydras? They could actually. Oh, like, could be it's Ghidorah. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah, it could be like its version of the Ghidorah, you know? We're talking crossovers now. Troll yeah. versus Godzilla. Oh my God! Wow. <laughs> if this if this franchise puts out like three successful films, I would not be surprised to see a MonsterVerse crossover. I think that would be fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, or they like just do like a cool shadow. Exactly. <laughs> Don, you've been pretty quiet, buddy. You got got any closing thoughts on Troll? Uh, no, I mean, you guys have been pretty much right where I am. Uh, you know, it's so much fun. I mean, it zips by. It's barely an hour and 40 minutes. I mean, it just, you know, like right around there. So, yeah, like, yeah, even, I was going to say, like, the run, like, that's almost two hours for this movie, and it doesn't feel that. It feels like it's like an hour no. 28. Yeah. 
So, definitely. I, I didn't even mention the pacing at all in this uh, well, during this review. But yeah, it's beautiful pacing. Like I said, even in the first half hour where there's no, well, at least not an abundance of creature action, still very peppy, nice pace. Absolutely, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, they, I don't have much else to add to it. So. Awesome. Hell yeah. Uh, Derek, any uh, closing thoughts? Pretty much, like Venom said, let's go watch this movie and then talk to us about it. I know my buddy Godzilla loved it, too. Yeah. We talked about it a little bit. I am definitely going to do what I can to get some eyeballs on this movie. I'll talk about it on my social media, maybe bring it up. You know, obviously we're talking about it here, but maybe on the next episode of Fresh Cuts, Don and I will give like a little a little nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Hey, don't forget to check out Troll. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. Awesome. Well, folks, that's it for episode 14. I really hope you enjoyed it. I am Mr. Venom on behalf of Derek B. and Don and Nelly. Thank you very much again for joining us. I always say this because I genuinely do appreciate any of you guys taking the time out of your day to even listen to a part of our show. I absolutely appreciate it. So thank you again for joining us. We'll see you next month and have an incredibly Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Uh, you know, rock and Ramadan, you know, whatever you celebrate, <laughs> a festive, a festive festus, festivus, a festive festivus, whatever the hell you celebrate. I hope it's awesome. And I can't wait to see you guys in 2023. Let's say goodbye to the folks. Later. Bye. Take care, folks. Merry Christmas. Oh.